the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you like Trump, Amanda Marcotte hates you. Boy, does she hate you. She's getting a lot of attention today from her column at Salon. The headline is, quote, It's a good thing women don't want to date Trump voters, unquote. That sounds like, I don't know, one of those generalizations that used to be a bad thing. I remember when you weren't supposed to generalize like that. Anyway, Amanda is mad because the Washington Post published an editorial that, based on the polls, it said that women need to start to get over their refusal to associate with MAGA men. So here's what Amanda wrote. This is Amanda the Tolerant Liberal at Salon.com. Quote, supporting Trump is much like refusing to bathe, blowing your nose in your hands, or farting loudly on purpose. It's a repugnant habit that makes you repulsive to normal people. Now, Amanda, of course, is um, you know making the assumption here that she is normal, and apparently you are not allowed to disagree with that. She goes on to complain about suggestions, uh, suggestions that uh, being married is a good idea. She doesn't. It's not a big fan of marriage, even though somehow she found someone to marry her, believe it or not. But here's my favorite part from the column. Quote, voting for Trump means backing a man who has been accused of sexual assault by two dozen women and who a judge and jury deemed responsible for rape, unquote. So what do you think the chances are that Amanda voted for Hillary Clinton and then Joe Biden? If I'm not mistaken, Hillary was married to and enabled a serial sexual assaulter and a guy who, by the way, and also someone who had been accused accused of rape and a guy who had sex with an intern in the Oval Office. And then Joe Biden has been credibly accused of sexual assault by Tara Reid, although the media don't like to pay attention to it. And he's a serial hair sniffer whose daughter says he used to take showers with him. Uh, is it or with her? Is it is it possible for liberals and Democrats to have any introspection whatsoever? By the way, this isn't an issue for me because I stopped dating quite a while ago. But I'm wondering how many desirable women out there are interested in men who believe that Dr. Rachel Levine is a woman, or that they can get pregnant. Anyway, when we come back, the climate hysteria summit is officially underway in Dubai, and it didn't take long for the stupidity to show up. We'll talk to Daniel Turner of Power of the Future, and in our second half hour, you're going to hear from a woman who has seen the raw video of what happened in Israel on October 7th and thinks you need to hear what she saw. Stick around. Well, it didn't take long. The climate hysterics in the U.N., provided some early stupidity at the climate summit in Dubai. They circulated a letter calling for the U.S. and other Western countries to ban new natural gas infrastructure projects. 
Daniel Turner is the founder and executive director of Power of the Future. He joins us now. Always good to have you on, Daniel. This is a good week to be talking to you. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks, John. <laughs> so, of course, they have science on their side. How can we argue with that? Oh, my gosh, science. And we've never seen science politicized or weaponized before, right? Science is always sacred. It's always unbiased. It's always neutral. Just think of the science that said when you're sitting down at a restaurant, you can take your mask off. But when you stand up to use the restroom, you wear your mask, right? That's science. And that made perfect sense, right? It wasn't, it wasn't used to abuse or control people. It wasn't used to create fear. Uh, that was just science. So, yeah, I mean, I think America is a little tired of science because we've seen that science, like our politicians, is up for sale. Well, the letter that they released says that the United States is hurtling, is it hurling? hurling yeah, I guess, hur- towards a massively harmful expansion of liquefied natural gas infrastructure. Regrettably, there exist similar plans in many other countries, including Germany, the U.S., and Canada. And they're doing it all over the world. Germany actually just uh, announced that they are German utility companies have announced that they are in desperate need for more liquid natural gas as they head into winter. Uh, Europe, Germany in particular, Europe, they had a pretty mild winter last year, um, and they, they dodged a bullet. Um, but that's not really energy policy, right? That's, that's magic and superstition. That's, that's hoping things don't go bad. Um, I don't know if they're going to get two winters of that. So, yeah, the world needs liquid natural gas. And the more you realize how desperate it is to maintain the quality of life that we have, you realize what a position the great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is to provide that. And in the process of providing it, reap the jobs, the political revenue. Uh, I'm sorry, the political, uh, the, um, the, the economic revenue. The, the, the prosperity for, your, for other Pennsylvanians. Pennsylvania has, has the opportunity to go gangbusters right now because the world needs LNG, but it's politics stopping it from happening. I thought natural gas was clean. <laughs> it is. It <laughs> is. And that's the crazy. But, you know, John, even the phrase clean, that, that's a political phrase. Mm-hmm. I don't know what clean means. Mm-hmm. Someone has to explain it. They tell me. That, that solar and wind are green. Uh, I don't know how they're green. They use more coal in the production of wind and solar burnt in China than if we just burnt American coal to make electricity directly. So green, clean, renewable, sustainable, those are all political words. They are all, and again, you want another example of how science is politicized? How many of us of a certain age have wondered throughout the course of our life questions like are eggs good for you how many times do you remember a study that said oh eggs are bad or butter remember Mm -hmm. the margarine craze of the 80s yeah but now we're back i don't know if butter is good again for you or red wine you read a study that says red wine is good for you you read a study that says red wine is bad for you is it is it being weaponized politicized or can you concoct a study to get whatever results you want based upon how much money you're willing to spend. And the red wine industry, they buy such studies. The fossil fuel industry buys such studies. But for some reason, when the wind and the solar and the green people do it, it's supposed to be sacrosanct, right? It's, it's somehow religiously pure, 
and we're not allowed to question their motives. Well, I talked about this a couple of days ago on the show, um, and I'm sure you've seen this, that meat is a big theme at the, at this uh, the Idiots <laughs> Summit in Dubai. <laughs> it is. It is. The, one of the very first studies that leaked from COP28, which just kicked off a couple hours ago, mm-hmm. but one of the very first studies was uh, targeting the West, writ large, America specifically, for less meat consumption. And then you scratch your head and say, well, you know, America is really a very small percentage of the world's population. Why are we the ones that have to change our lifestyle? Why do we have to stop doing things differently? Notice no study came out that says China, which is almost 50% of the world's emissions, needs to change its lifestyle. Right? China, which is 1.2 billion people, and India, which is 1.4, that combined they're almost a third of the world's population. No study came out that said they need to eat less meat, just us. Right? So just the way we're the ones who have to ban plastic straws, mm-hmm. we're the ones who have to pay five cents for plastic bags at the grocery store, we always have to punish ourselves for the sins of others, and that somehow... Is that, do we call that equity these days? I don't know what the word is. Yeah, well, you know, that might have something to do with the fact that China, when they're told this stuff, they say, yeah, yeah, we'll get back to you on that. <laughs> we'll let you know when we're exactly. ready to do that. Might be another 50, 60 years before we get around to that. Chairman Xi isn't even at the conference, uh, and he declined the invitation to go. You know why he declined to go? Because he said, I'm not going to listen to your stupid recommendations. No, don't get me wrong. This is not praise of Chairman Xi or Communist right. China. I despise their, their government and their oppressive regime, and they sure. are an enemy and a threat. But I will say Chairman Xi looks at globalist institutions like the U.N. Climate Conference and says, pound sand, you're not going to tell me what to do in my country. I'm trying to build an empire. I need to build factories to do that. And if you tell me I have to cut emissions or stop producing I'm going to tell you to pound sand. Don't you wish you had an American president who would do that as well and say, you tell me, you tell the great people of Western PA we have to stop producing natural gas? Pound sand. Yeah. You know, I'm not telling you what to do in your country. You stay the hell out of Pennsylvania. I wish we had political leaders who cared about their country as much as Chairman Xi cares about his. No, they're gutless. They 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 fear the the attacks from the media, and it's it's really pathetic. Um, we're talking to Daniel Turner. He's the founder and executive director of Power of the Future. Um, you wrote a piece for the uh, the Daily Caller about the Biden administration playing the science card. Where are they getting their science from? Al Gore? Is that who, who are they who, who are they referring to? Yeah. Again, this is all the things I said leading up to this shows how science is. And, and can be politicized and weaponized. And not long ago, Joe Biden announced the, the um, climate report for 2023, and the results said that America is warming faster than any place else on the planet. And that's supposed to scare you. And I guess it sounds scary, right? Fa- mm-hmm. America is warming faster than the rest of the planet. But in that op-ed that you were nice enough to reference, I literally found a study for every single continent on the earth that was published within the last year that says said continent is warming faster than the rest of the planet. Australia, South America, North America, Europe, Asia, Africa, 
South America, South, South, the Antarctic. I literally, you can, you know what, kids, play this at home. Go <laughs> onto your Google machine and just literally type in a country and ask, is Russia warming faster than, and then change Russia for Italy, and then change it for Argentina. And you can find a study that says that place is warming faster than the rest of the world. And then you realize, well, we can't all be warming faster than everybody else. But I guess you can be if, again, it's science. is butter good for you? Is, exactly. Is, is, is a cup of coffee good or bad for you? I can show you results from reputable doctors at reputable institutions that are completely contradictory. Which one are we supposed to believe? So everything is up for sale. Biology, science, well, heck, biology. If, if men are women and women are men. Yeah. Everything is up for sale. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you write that the, these are the, the people you're referring to are who said this are this uh, scientists at the World Meteorological Association, which sounds like a, a reputable uh, organization. But uh, uh, you're right. Uh, you have in here that the Middle East is they, – they, they say in their own report the Middle East is warming nearly twice as fast as the global average. Australia is also warming more rapidly. Latin America, Europe, South Pole – and you, the real record breaker, according to your story here, is the North Pole, which is warming four times faster than the rest of the world. Yeah. What are we going to do? Does that wow. mean the snow's going to melt and we're going to all we're going to be washed away? <laughs> they they always conduct a study in the middle of of uh, August to show that there is no polar ice in the North Pole until you realize that there's never polar ice in the North Pole because there's no land in the North Pole. All there is is an open ocean that begins to freeze. And right now it's probably frozen and it will continue to freeze for the next couple of months. And I have been there. I've been to the North Pole. I've been uh, up in the Arctic several times. And I can tell you in the middle of summer, there's hardly any ice left. But magically it all reappears when the winter happens again and yet here we are talking about it year after year. You know, I guess what becomes funnier about the climate conversation as I get older yeah. is you realize how it's the same stuff year after year, 20 years, 30 years now. I've been hearing the same crap. 30 years. 30 <laughs> years of we're all going to die from climate yeah. change. This time we mean it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, um, I, have a, well I, I took a trip to Tokyo I flew with the Steelers to Tokyo to cover a, an exhibition game there, and so I spent like four days. But we didn't take the route where you fly to the West Coast and then go on from there. We went right over the top of the globe, and it's like, what, a 17-hour flight? The only time I looked out the window was when they said, we're flying over the North Pole. I, I had to say that I at least saw the North Pole. It looked pretty cold down there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure it was. And that's exactly what happens. And you know what? As you were telling me that story, mm -hmm. I literally Googled Japan is warming faster. And mm -hmm. I am pulling up articles how Japan is impacting the climate crisis. Japan is rising faster than the rest of the shock of Japan's extreme heat. Japan, number of studies. See, Japan, too. And you know what? what's causing Japan to heat warmer than the rest of the planet? Your trip over there with the Steelers, John, this is your fault. <laughs> yeah. So, so way to go. That's why you have to stop eating meat and stop getting on a plane. Right. Of course, that is told us by the people who are at COP28 right now who are all on planes and are probably eating some really, really good meat. It's funny you say that. <laughs> uh, it's funny you say that, um, uh, Daniel, because I stopped eating red meat 
about half my life ago. It had nothing to do with the environment. I just I went on a low-fat diet, and one of the things that they suggested you do is, you know, eat chicken, fish, turkey, and cut out the red meat for a while. I cut it out and never stopped eating it again. So, I mean, I'm not religious about it. I just don't eat it. And I don't. I hope I never, ever get on a commercial flight again as long as I live. I'm getting old. That's not going to, you know, we're getting close to where it's not going to matter. But I, I just the, the stupidity that goes on in airports, and, and that combined with some of the, the – the videos I see of what's happening on airplanes these days. I don't want to. If you got yep. a, if you got a private jet, if John Kerry wants to take me for a ride on his private jet, I'll go anywhere <laughs> you want to go. I'm not well, flying well, commercial. That's exactly why they use private jets. And right? W- they don't want to deal with the stupidity them? at the airport, which is why I quit. No, I'm on a jet more often than I care to for my beloved job at Power of the Future. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, half the time of uh, half my time, I'm on the road and. I would love to have a private jet, but I would also never advocate for other people to not have their private right. jet. And that's the difference, right? John Kerry does use his wife's uh, uh, ketchup fortune plane, mm-hmm. but he doesn't want the rest of us to even have a gas-powered leaf blower. And, I, and that's the type <laughs> of tyranny that has to scare you, right? Yeah. That's the type yeah. of tyranny that has to, at your core as an American, make you not just angry, but make you convicted to not let these people rule over you. It's in our DNA to not be told how to live our lives, especially by people like King Charles and John Kerry, both of whom are at COP28 telling us how to live our lives. Yeah, um, and you mentioned uh, that uh, you've been hearing this stuff for 30 years. I I keep it in a a, uh, place I can find it very quickly in my uh, computer, a, uh, a compilation of articles that was written... This was written a couple of years ago, and it's it's fifty years of um, of hysteria from climate fanatics, and yeah. it's fifty years, and it goes. It starts back in this is like in nineteen sixty nine or seventy, and 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 that's they're still saying the same things, even though there are stories from twenty five, thirty, forty years ago of them saying that the planet had about ten minutes before it was going to d- cease to exist. And here we are. And you mentioned, I think, in your in your piece, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Where's where, where are we on her? Uh, was it twelve years she gave us? Yes, and we're seven years in from her twelve year mark. So we got five to go. Um, <laughs> but yes, she did tell us seven years ago that you know the planet's going to end in twelve years unless we tackle climate change. Now maybe she would say. Thank God for the election of Joe Biden that we are tackling climate change and we can add a couple more years onto the clock. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know how she explains that, but yeah, she gave us a twelve-year timeline, and and that should scare people. You know, that should scare people to to change their life. Again, they're not changing their lives. We no. just have to change our lives for their agenda. And the the, the frustrating thing is that. I don't think anybody has called her on that yet that I know of. I, when somebody does get a chance to interview her, you'd think somebody might say, Hey, uh, Alex, I, uh, I'm noticing here that we're now in year five of your 12-year plan. Are, we, are, you, are you still going? We have seven years left because I got eight years left on my mortgage, and I'm just wondering. And and the difference is, of course, they're going to say that we have spent hundreds of billions of dollars now that Biden has been president. And that's what you need to solve the climate crisis. You just need money. Yeah. You need to wait, take away people's freedoms, take away people's property, and you need an awful lot of money. And 
that seems to be the answer to all of the climate problems. You're going to see a lot of that coming out of the UN. You're going to see a lot of things that require higher taxes, transferring enormous amounts of money to the to the third world, and that will solve the crisis. Yeah, I'm out of time, but I I, I just think it might be a good idea for us if if there's an organization that is uh, situated here in the United States that we're paying for it, and it's telling us to stop eating meat. We should um, kick them out. That's what I would do. Thanks, uh, Daniel. I'll be right back. The ceasefire between Israel and Hamas has been extended by one day, which means one more day of torture for the people waiting to find out if their family members are still alive or if they are going to be released and will be coming home. So imagine what it's like for the people who witnessed what happened on October 7th They know all too well what they're dealing with and what their family members are dealing with if they're in captivity. Well, so does Jennifer Stefano. She has seen raw video and wrote about it for the Philadelphia Inquirer. She joins us now. Jennifer, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me on and for talking about this important issue. Yeah, so how and where did you see the video? So I was uh, moderating a presidential debate with Ron DeSantis and Asa Hutchinson when he was in the race um, 12 days after Hamas's barbaric attack on um, the Israelis, um, the Israeli civilians. And um, it was not initially part of the forum, but when I got there, and this was in South Carolina, when I arrived, they said the, the Consul General of Israel of the Southeastern United States agreed to come and they're going to show a video of the Hamas attack. And you have to give this big disclaimer about how violent it is, and then we're all going to watch the video together. So it was about an hour before I went live, and we went on stage in front of 300 people um, at Winthrop University in South Carolina. So I was watching it as the audience watched it. I wasn't prepared as a journalist to take notes and document it. So it was a visceral gut reaction to watching it with the audience and, and, and uh, just bearing witness to it. Um, I'm grateful that uh, the Israelis allowed that. I think it was one of the worst things I've seen in my life. Horrific. And I, I think um, all these people applauding Hamas and applauding what they're doing should look at what they did to these individuals, to babies, to children, to women. I mean, it's just um, horrific. And I never thought I'd see a world in which we were now, once again, applauding the slaughter of Jewish people, but here we are. So was it a tough decision for you, though, when you were offered that chance to see it? Did you have to think about it a long time? Because you're not going to unsee it. No, No, you're not. And no, it wasn't a tough decision. Um, I was raised as I think many of us were, uh, to see the horrors of the Holocaust and, and how important the bearing witness was. The people who saw it, who did nothing, that's not, that you can't do that. You have to see it, you have to do something to say something, but you have to bear witness. And I really respected all the survivors of the Holocaust um, who came forward in the ensuing decades to tell their stories. And I just, that, that was part of my upbringing. My parents were not political. Um, they were Roman Catholic. I'm Roman Catholic. But it, it, it didn't even occur to me to say no or to overly think about it. I was horrified by the October 7th attack. I 
was given an opportunity. I, you know, I, I believe in God's divine providence. And, and there he put me not only as a witness, but then to come up on stage immediately after the video. I was the next one on stage. And so I had to say something after witnessing it. And it was, that was challenging. But no, never a moment. And I would strongly encourage people to see it as their moral obligation to, if they can see it or are invited to see it, to, to, to do take part and know that it is traumatizing, know that it is horrific, but know that if you're an adult, uh, you should just say it. I wouldn't take anyone under 18. What did you say when, when you were the first? Yeah. I, I said, I, I do not think there are words. I said something along the lines of, yeah. I do not think there are words, and we have to have silence and a moment and bow our heads. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And, you know, if you ask me how long I was up there with a bowed head and the whole place was silent to where you could hear a shift in the seat. Wow. You could hear one person shift in the seat. That's how silent it was. Whether I stood there for one minute or 10 or 20, I don't know. Now, and then I, I said, go ahead, you know, go ahead. It was, you know, and then I just said to, and I, and I, I reflected on what has now been something I've been talking about and pushing on, which is we have a moral obligation to stand up on behalf of our Jewish brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care what your cause is. I don't care why you're mad at Israel. That is, they, you can critique Israel. Israel is an open society. It has a free press. People critique Israel all the time. Israelis critique Israel. Mm-hmm. Jewish people critique Israel. You cannot go slaughter civilians and then say, well, it's because. No, no, no. no one, you, you know, I no longer am particularly interested in your cause. You're murderers. You're terrorists. And we, I'm going to defend the Jewish people. When you, were, when you were watching this video... Um, was it hard to keep watching? And, and I guess I asked the same question. Did you get the feeling that the people in the crowd couldn't handle it? Were people leaving? Did anybody get up and say, I, I can't look at this? Well, this is an interesting thing you asked, because the Israeli consul general had, had spoken to me, and they made me emphasize that this was going to be so bad that if people wanted to leave, they should. And, and because this was so emphasized to me backstage, when I came out, I actually stopped and said, I'm going to now give it anyone time, time of anyone who wants to leave to leave. Mm-hmm. Because I just thought these warnings, I thought, could these be excessive? How bad could this be? And I do not recall seeing anyone leave. Everyone stayed, as far as I could tell, and were moved to tears. Now, this was uh, the, the, the people who put on this presidential forum were the Republican Women's Federation of North and South Carolina. They flew me down. And they all had, we support Israel. You know, on the right in America, there is no debate about supporting the Jews. No, None. No. And supporting, there's no debate, there's no moral equivalency. We don't applaud terrorists. Period, full stop. But the American left has lost the plot. And they clearly, they do not have Western values and Western morality where good and evil are in each man and woman and their decision-making, not between groups and classes, right? Mm-hmm. There's no, you know, and I wrote about this, about Alexandre Solzhenitsyn, who spent time in a gulag in Russia. He was a, a high-level commander under, in Stalinist Russia during World War II, and he spoke out with Stalin. And the next thing he knew, he ended up in a gulag, and he came out and understood that, that he was totally lied to, that the left, the communists, the Marxists, uh, that, that, that there was good and evil based on the state, or based on the political party, that's not how good and evil is divided. It's through the heart of every man and woman. And how does that get discerned? Well, through action. 
and, and when you slaughter innocent people in the way, however you slaughter them, mm-hmm. you don't, you're immoral. And we don't have to come out and defend you as we would a, 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 a nation. And, you know, they're not asking Israel to reform. Hamas's charter states very clearly they want to wipe Israel off the map as a nation, get rid of it completely, and kill and annihilate all the Jews in Israel. And uh, overlay it with an Islamic caliphate. Like, that is their mission. Now, let me ask you, I, uh, this is a tough question, that, that's something that, that I've been uh, dealing with, and really this is the first, I've, I've thought about bringing this up, but I'm, when, I, when I ask you the question, you understand why I hesitated, I've, I've hesitated to this point to, to bring up or try to make the point. Um, I've seen multiple videos, and I'm guessing you've seen them too, where little kids, eight, nine years old, um, are shown saying that they want to kill Jews. They're going to get. They're going to. They're they're being asked what they're going to do when they grow up, and they say, "I'm going to kill Jews," and they're 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 proud of it. These are the kids that are in uh, Gaza, okay, and 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 they're they're the children of people who are in Hamas. Now you feel terrible for the kids, and you want to rescue the. Ki- you wish you could rescue the kids from their own parents so that you could get them out of there so that they wouldn't be brainwashed. But so I guess what I'm getting to here is if you if you're um someone who has either seen it in person on October 7th or you know that you're you're uh, a member of your family or someone close to you had to put up with what we all know went on there now on October 7th are all chill are you are you allowed to be a bit a little bit less sympathetic when you hear about people dying in in Gaza because those kids I hate to say this they're 10 year old kids 10 years from now they're going to be the age of the guys who who went into um, Israel on October 7th and they will have had 10 years of being told that they will be exalted and and taken to their whatever their version of heaven is if they go rape a Jewish woman so how do you how should you feel about that so I'm, I'm a, do you know what I'm getting at here? But it's, yeah, it, it, I, I hear what you're, I hear what you're saying. I, I hear what you're saying. And which is, how can I have sympathy for, you know, you're asking, should we? And, and, oh, sorry about my dog. Don't they worry about your dog. Too. I love dogs. I bark all he wants. I, know, well, I do too. I, I don't <laughs> love when they weigh in on my, uh, my interview. So I think I'm going to re- you, you asked me a specific question is why should I feel bad if a, nine-year-old child in Gaza died when that child's being told to celebrate killing Jews and that that's what they want to grow up to be. And I, I am a Roman Catholic. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a practicing Christian. We're Catholics or Christian. And I come from the Judeo-Christian ethic, which is, um, no, I don't, think we sh- I don't think we should lose our soul or our humanity and not care that those people died. I, I think the exact opposite. I, I think we should, uh, you know, as compelled by Jesus, like, no, we should not look upon human death as anything, and, and that we're destroying each other for that reason, um, as a net positive. I mean, there were children in Hitler's youth who became adults, and, the, and, and, and they had to learn to adapt to a society where the Nazis were no longer in charge. But no, I think the Judeo-Christian ethic that defines Western civilization, that defines um, every um, classically liberal tradition that we, we live by that, that is imbibed through our Declaration of Independence all the way through the Constitution and every moral good 
that America's ever done, and I think America is the greatest force for good the world has ever known. I wouldn't put Israel far behind it. Um, I would say the minute you shift your paradigm from the loss of human life always being and the taking of any human life, particularly of children, um, as anything less than a tragedy and, 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 and not not what we intended, even though it is Hamas's fault that this is happening, mm-hmm. you, you become your, you become the enemy. You become your own, you become, and you imbibe what the other way of thinking is. The most important thing in, in war, I think, and in, in, in general, is, is how society is going to frame this up. And while how men who are fighting hand-to-hand figure things out in the moment, we who are not there as a society must keep our Judeo-Christian ethics and Western civilization ethics front and center, which is no, I'm not going to cheer the death of a nine-year-old, even though the nine-year-old is taught it's okay to rape Jewish women and men. I am going to put into the hands of God that these children were corrupted and that if they were to live and we, we, you know, in Catholicism, there's us just and unjust wars. And I would argue this is a just war uh, that Israel now has to to fight that, that, that through this, all this suffering and pain, God could transform the hearts of men and kings, he could transform the hearts of children, too, and, and I think he wants to protect them. So, no, I would urge you not to use that ethic. And even if you're an atheist, the modern world, the Western world, was formed by Judeo-Christian ethics, whether we like it or not. That doesn't mean that we have a government that imposes Christianity or Judaism. Mm-hmm. Rather, we follow the ethical lines of it. And so don't use heart or your humanity. We have to see this as a tragedy and understand who is it to blame and continue to pray that, that there could be a transformation. And, and I would say um, that children were put into Hitler youth, including the former Pope. Benedict yeah. was a member of Hitler's yeah. youth, right? Yeah. And he became, yeah. and, and that was not, I mean, if you read what he wrote and his views and, and how the church transformed and, and worked on and apologized for anti-Semitism, you know, no one is ever lost when you believe in a just God, as I do, and I think many others do, as the Jews do, um, no one is ever lost. There is always eternal hope. And so that would be my answer to your question. That's a very but good one. I appreciate one. the question. No, that was a very good you. But you see why I asked it, because I do. we're mm-hmm. dealing with a different brand of human being, when, and, and mm-hmm. nobody knows it better than you do. Well, the people who actually had this stuff done to them know it better than you do, but you've seen it. So you know what we're dealing with. And um, I guess that gets me to my next, next uh, item here. And we're talking to uh, Jennifer Stefano. She's the executive vice president of the Commonwealth Foundation, but also writes a column for the Philadelphia Inquirer. You can find her column at inquirer.com about uh, her experience watching this video from October 7th. So I'm going to let you decide how much detail you want to give us on what you saw. And and let and just so you know, going in, that I agree with you that the more people who know about this and are um, witness to it, the better. So I'm not going to be offended by how, um, however graphic it may be, but I'll let, I'll leave that up to you. You saw it. So Hamas. The first thing you have to know is how how if you go to see this video, how you're going to watch it. Mm-hmm. You're going to watch it from the killer's perspective, from the terrorist perspective. I, you know, I interviewed the Israeli Defense Force spokesman, Amnon Scheffler, and he confirmed to me that they wore the cameras on their body. 
So this isn't eyewitnesses to the attack filming it from a different perspective. It is the killers proudly, clearly, filming their barbarous acts. And then uh, what the consul general told me is they took those videos and posted it to their victims' social media accounts so that the family could see what was happening to them, um, et cetera. So um, that was shocking to learn. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is, if you, I've never, I do not like violent movies. I don't like scary movies. This is not within anything I normally would see. So the first thing is the level of violence and blood that you will see is extensive. And to me, the most barbarous, poisonous part of the, the, the video that plays in my mind afterwards is what the terrorists did to the babies. There were, and, and, and they took a long pole. You know, you see this baby lying on the floor and you think, oh, is the baby dead? What's happening? And then all of a sudden, the pole gets shoved into the baby's eye. And, and it, it's twisting. And then you realize the, the baby's other eyes gouged out already. And, and to what end? That is monstrous. That is not uh, one, you know, going to war. This is a monstrous, barbarous act. So if you, you don't, to me, I don't care what your cause is with the Palestinians. You are, you are de facto applauding Hamas when you start talking today about Palestine if you weren't talking about it before October 7th. Because I got to tell you, there's a no world in which I will live that I wouldn't use whatever platform I had to defend my Jewish brothers and sisters against this. And mm -hmm. I think when you watch this video, you will understand this barbary and recognize they will do it to every Jewish person they encounter. Wow. Every one of their babies, every one of their children. And that's why, and I want to go back to what you asked prior, is why should we care? I would argue we're just different. Yeah. Right at the end of World War II, what do we do? Yeah, we didn't murder the Nazis. We didn't poke their eyes out. We put them on trial. Mm -hmm. The Nuremberg trials. We 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 brought justice to the Nazis, hey. not murder. Right. Hey Jennifer, I'm I'm out of time. I I suggest everybody check your column out at Inquirer.com, and I really appreciate you coming on. And I agree with you. As more people see and hear about this, the better. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, that's Jennifer Stefano, and we will be right back. So yesterday I mentioned that I had gone to an all-boys Catholic school. We were talking about St. Mary's out in Indiana, St. Mary's of Notre Dame, allowing it's an all-women's college, allowing uh, transgender women, men, into their school. And I threw in there that I, I thought that the I, Catholic schools were great, and I went there, and it was great for me, and I said that it would be good for kids to wear uniforms again in school. I think if... They were really serious about discipline and getting kids to understand that going to school is different from going out and do whatever you do. You know, in the middle of July, it's it's different. You're in school now. So I I thought about that yesterday, and there's one of the reasons. There's a there's a video up there on Twitter at uh, Clown World. If you go on X, and it's a video of a 64 year old California teacher punching a 14 year old student. But this was after the student stood in his face and kept insulting him and taunting him, and the guy finally lost it and punched him. And after watching it, I kind of decided that he didn't punch him hard enough. But that's that's just me. But here's the thing that I noticed. The teacher was wearing a T-shirt. Now, I don't know if this was – I don't think it's a shop class. I'm looking at it now. You can see the classroom. It looks like a regular classroom, and he's wearing a T-shirt. And this is the kind of thing that I've. This is what I've been wondering about. You, 
if these kids are allowed to wear whatever they want to school, they can wear shorts, they wear hoodies, they wear just whatever they want, and they wear the same thing that they wear when they're going out in the middle of the summer to roll around in, in the dirt, whatever they want to do. When did teachers start showing up in class wearing a T-shirt, and why wouldn't you expect the respect for teachers to diminish if they show up in a T-shirt? I'll talk to you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.